Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. Everybody, welcome into episode number 596 of Underground Sports Philadelphia, presented by the City of Vineland. It's KB and Matt coming at you with a little remote setup tonight, as we are also live on the Bird app and we are live on Facebook, like the good old days. So, shout out to our followers there. You're getting the podcast early. Uh, we got a lot to dive into from the Eagles and the mess that was Monday Night Football to. Uh, the Phillies being a backburner team, allegedly, for Yoshinobu Yamamoto, uh, the Japanese phenom pitcher. The Sixers are playing as we are recording this, so we'll keep some tabs on the basketball team. Flyers keep winning, and we got the PLL Championship Series schedule for the Water Dogs. So we'll uh, we'll break that down in a easy fashion for everybody, and we'll get more detailed on the Outside the Box podcast this week, which you should subscribe to as well. And I know Matt's in a good mood because Liverpool just got a kick-ass win today. Uh, so stay tuned if you're watching live because Top Bins will follow right after Underground Sports Philadelphia on all platforms. Uh, but before we get into everything, make sure you're subscribed and following us on the socials at Underground PHI on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, and Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. Goes a long way for helping this show continue to hit milestones. Helps us grow the podcast and our network as a whole. As uh, Toppins, you guys just have grease... Grecian fans firmly entrenched in the top 200 over in Greece. So shout out to the Mediterranean brotherhood. (laughs) Shout out to, uh, to Stavros Halkius. Maybe he's uh, sending it to his, his family over there. Um, But subscribe to the podcast on whatever audio platform you decide to use. And of course, subscribe to the underground sports Philadelphia, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at underground sports, Philadelphia. We hit our milestone for the year end goal of 700 plus subscribers. Keep subscribing as we're on that road to 800, 900, 1000 and beyond. But shout out to all of the uh, the people that tuned into F1 Underground's live stream last night of their episode. They came through in bunches and got us over the 700 mark as soon as I woke up this morning. So that was really cool to, uh, to see for us as we still got some time before the ball drops there in Times Square. So keep subscribing, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. And of course, this podcast is presented by the City of Vineland. You see that logo up if you're watching it on YouTube right now. 
The City of Vineland Municipal Calendar features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest, and the calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages, and through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's all Always growing season and big thank you to security 21 security systems and paul j gillespie incorporated for their continued support of this podcast matt what's going on brother i'm living the dream the philadelphia eagles are certainly not living a dream but as we have deduced many times on this podcast nightmares also classify as dreams look it up uh it's brought to you by our awesome merch partners at phi apparel company the best merch partners in the game from hoodies to t-shirts and all of our underground sports philadelphia podcast franchises you can look styling and profiling heading into the new year treat yourself this holiday season get your philly dog shirts gear up for the sixers the flyers even the Phillies a little bit early. Uh, go to phiapparel.co. Link is in the description. And when you go to check out, use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia. So go get your merch. phiapparel.co. Code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. Matt, it seems like uh, a little chicken little is going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. The sky seems to be falling uh, on Eagles Twitter and with the fan base after just an inexcusable loss on Monday night to the Seattle Seahawks where you let Drew Locke go 92 yards down the field and score a game-winning touchdown, passing it to a rookie. Um, and apparently we are... Switching defensive coordinator duties once again this week as Sean Desai is back in the uh, the play caller's chair, and it just seems like a whole hell of a lot of panicking is going on at the NovaCare complex. Yeah, I think that's the, the biggest concern is that the reaction to the losses. I don't think it was really shocking to see the Eagles drop two games against the 49ers and Cowboys, um, but I do think the reaction afterwards of – Quiet. You've heard of quiet quitting. Now get ready for quiet firing of Sean Desai. I didn't even know about it. I saw you Sunday and you were like, oh, by the way, Desai's not the defensive coordinator. Uh, but now he is again. Um, to me, that just doesn't pass the smell test. Like, good teams don't do that. Yeah. You know, like, that's not – that. Is, if that's a Cowboys thing, you're making fun of it. Right. That's, that's a – that is newer Giants behavior. It's a Chargers not, thing. Right. I, I, that, that's just not um, – not a move that you like, especially Matt Patricia of all people too, a guy that has a terrible reputation and deservedly. So a guy that I think handed the Eagles a Super Bowl, you know, because of, uh, you know, how bad that Patriots defense was uh, on that game. So um, really concerning. I, I think this is the most concerning loss of the bunch. Um, you know, I think the losing to the 49ers and Cowboys makes you rethink your Super Bowl aspirations and whether or not you're really a qualified team. This makes me worried about getting to the second weekend in the playoffs, mm -hmm. a loss like this. Because if Drew Locke can put together a 92-yard touchdown drive on you, any quarterback can. You know, it, it, you're telling me Tommy DeVito can't do that or Tyrod Taylor? I mean, honestly, you know, like, they've they've put together, you know, good good bits and pieces. And if, if, if Drew Locke, you know, you, it's the Mendoza line in baseball. It is the, the Drew Locke line in football of guys that if your defense can't handle Drew Locke, you're in trouble. And that's been, a, I think, a, a big flashing sign for the Eagles all season has been defensively just not good enough, um, especially, you know, in the secondary. And 
have just been getting exploited time and time again. Doesn't help that he had a few guys out, but everyone does this time of year. Um, so yeah, I, I think the cause for alarm, I think, is actually pretty legitimate, and I, I agree with because this this loss and the way you lose, I think, has me concerned uh, about this team making it out of the wild card round. Honestly, it's even more concerning when before we went live, the Eagles' official Twitter account is posting anonymous uh attaboy like we're never losing the faith type of tweets that they're getting and erased whoever's handles they were so it's just a bunch of like random non-cited quotes from alleged fans um and it's like shout out to eagles nation for keeping the positivity and it's like you don't realize what you just unleashed by putting that out on social media like that is that is like you broke glass in case of emergency needed something to post and now you're whoever the social manager is for the Eagles is going to get absolutely roasted in the comments. Um, it's like I that mean, Nathan Fielder meme where it's like uh, me with all my friends uh, laughing. They're just uh, out of view of the camera. It's like, well, I really the, appreciate all the support guys. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. It's the, uh, the party meme where like you're standing in the corner. It's like, they don't realize that we're fucked. Yeah. I mean, honestly. <laughs> um, and I mean, it wasn't even like the young guys on Monday night that were the problem in the secondary short. Sidney Brown had quite a disastrous game in terms of tackling, and that is, is just a, a team effort across the board where we need to find a machine that is like the opposite of the Jugs machine for tackling because this team simply has no clue how to wrap up when somebody's coming at them. Kelly Ringo and uh, Eli Ricks covered their assignments very well. Drew Locke went 0 for 5 when targeting players covered by those two. It was James Bradbury that got absolutely torched when he was covering either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. Uh, I think Drew Locke went 7 of 8 for 95 yards when targeting uh, James Bradbury. And then for him after the game to come out and say that he was just playing the sticks on the last play defensively where they score the touchdown, it's like that's the last thing you should be doing in a, a situation where the other team is trying to go down the field and win the game. Playing a sticks defense will absolutely get you torched. And it's also not great when you have the Manning cast going on and Christian McCaffrey is calling out plays left and right that the Eagles are running because of how predictable their offense is. Yeah, I mean, especially again, I can't emphasize this enough. You knew Drew Locke was going to have to throw the ball. Like, this is what has me worried, is you knew what they were going to have to do, and it is Drew Locke throwing the football. Like, it's it's a bad situation, and and he had played last week, so you have film with him with the Seahawks. You like this this really should not have been a, a, a place where where you lose in that way. Um, so that's a big concern, especially defensively too. You're not even just a secondary. You know, the Eagles took a strategy and have taken a strategy, especially under Harry Roseman, of kind of maximizing in certain areas and being willing to live with like minimum value contracts and stuff. And we've seen that with the linebacking crew and. And that's fine, right? You know, kind of the middle of the defense has sort of been, we can get by if our defensive line and our, our two cornerbacks are elite or can get us really, really great play. You've invested a lot of money in draft capital, man. You know, we, we talk a lot about the passing attack. I, I haven't seen a lot from this. You know, it's, it's obviously going to be a letdown from last season when you're on a record-breaking pace in sacks. Right? We all knew that that was not going to be this year, that it was we were going to have regression. But – it has not been this year what, what you would expect when you're paying the money and, and have guys you know in top 10 picks, top 15 picks on that line. Hassan Reddick, I know he's had you know some injuries this year, but like still, you, you'd like a little more production. 
Jalen Carter, he's a rookie. You know, you don't want to be too hard on him. But again, you know, like you had a, a good you know few weeks, especially beating up on lesser opponents. You hope that you know in late December, this is a guy that can you know start to actually I don't know you know really really make an impact on, on the team. And you know, two sacks in this game. You only hit Drew Lock three times. Like I I don't know. I, I just think that. There's a lot of, you know, everyone's going to talk about the passing defense and, and rightly so, because that's been the issue all year. But I think you're also seeing that this team is not applying the same pressure, which doesn't help what is a, a really lackluster sort of, uh, you know, secondary crew right now. And this was yeah, a concern yeah. coming into the year, too, with the secondary. too. we talked yeah. about how, you know, guy, you know, cornerbacks above 30 don't play like there's three other guys that have done this. You know, like it, it's, it's no surprise that you're missing games. It's no surprise you're seeing a, a drop in quality because it's just it's unheard of. It just really is. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be without Darius Slay for who knows how much more time. And as much shit as fans have given Darius Slay, he's arguably been one of your top defensive performers this year. Um, whenever you look at the tape, whenever you look at the stats, Darius Slay is is right there and he's playing uh, fantastic. It's just the other side of the field that's getting exposed and everyone wants to blame Darius Slay for that. Well, you saw it on Monday night when Darius Slay wasn't in there. You had rookies step up in a, a big spot for you. But James Bradbury, the guy that you coerced to come back, didn't live up to the expectation. This is multiple times now that James Bradbury's done this for you. Did it in the Super Bowl with the the ticky tack, you know, holding call and everything, and say what you want about that. It still inevitably cost the Eagles a Super Bowl. And I mean, across the board, like you said, with with the pass rush, like Hassan Reddick's leading the way with eleven sacks. And sure, like you said, he wasn't gonna replicate what he did last year with twenty two and a half or or whatever amount of sacks he had, but like that's your only guy on this defensive line with double-digit sacks on the year, and you have three games left. The next guy in line is Josh Sweat, who has six and a half, and then Fletcher Cox is tied for third with Jalen Carter for five sacks, and then it knocks down to Brandon Graham, Nicholas Morrow, Jordan Davis, all with more than one sack. They're just not getting after the quarterback, and that was a huge part of this defense last year where they were able to kind of take control of games and you're just not seeing it at the rate that you would want. Sure, you're not going to get close to the 85 Bears again like you did last year, but there's clearly been uh, a schematic drop-off. There's clearly been just a, a play-calling drop-off, and that's on both sides of the ball. You know, We haven't even talked about the offense where, uh, like I said, Christian McCaffrey's out there knowing exactly what play you're running, and he's sitting at home in California and knows exactly what the play call is because of who is in on that possession. There's there's no creativity to the offense, and I think that's something that Shane Steichen was fantastic at last year, and you're seeing it with the Colts this year where they just get creative, and that's why the Colts, even though they're playing with Gardner Minshew as their quarterback right now because Anthony Richardson got hurt, they're still in the playoff mix because Shane Steichen knows how to call an offense. Brian Johnson just feels so in over his head, and – at this point in the season, you can't expect play calling to change because it's so ingrained with the team now. Yeah, absolutely. I, Christian McCaffrey, what are you doing on uh, on Sundays? Because you know we could we could work out some kind of remote. Uh, you could call in and, and maybe uh, you know maybe get some Shanahan love. You know, listen, everyone's been on you know poaching the Shanahan tree of coaches. What if we just pay a current player to just give us you know like I don't know what the rules are. I'm sure there are is a rule somewhere, but um, yeah. I, well, I think what was encouraging was the first drive looks really good. Yes. And this, this to me is the issue with the Eagles. When we talk about the difference from last year to this year, last year what the Eagles did so well was adjustments in game. And it felt like maybe, you know, like they, they, they just had a way 
of throughout the game of figuring out ways to win. And that's something you've seen with Shane Steichen replicated now. And it clearly was very much a Shane Steichen sort of led, uh, you know, decision-making there, right? Because they, this, this team this year, that first drive, which is clearly very scripted, clearly something they worked on all week, you know, they cancel the walkthrough on Thursday and they're actually practicing. Like they're, they're clearly, you know, come out with, with a, a, a defined game plan. But throughout the rest of the game, it's, it's, it's the same kind of stop-start thing that we've seen all year. And I think, too, you were hoping that, listen, it, it's no surprise that when you play the Cowboys, you play the Giants, the Chiefs, you, the, even the Dolphins have been like a really top-five defense over the last month and a half. It's no surprise your offense doesn't look great against those teams. You know, it's just – it's 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 always going to be a challenge. This was not a – you know, it's not the most elite defense that you're facing in Seattle. This is a team that's actually been struggling lately, and I can't stress this enough. Drew Locke is <laughs> the quarterback of this team. You know, like – it's it's a game you expect to get good field position. It's a it's a and that's what's frustrating. And there's there's late drives where Jalen Hurts is is throwing away picks. I think you could very reasonably ask the question why we're taking big shots in those moments too. It it felt like, and th- th- and this is what worries me is it there there there's, there was some desperation in there. I feel like in that I think this team has lost a little bit of that mental edge, and I think understood in the moment that they were really messing up. Like that this is a huge loss, not just in the standings, but like, this is a mental loss that I, I worry about the recovery from that. The good medicine is you've got the giants twice in the next three weeks. The bad part of that is drew Locke just beat you. You know, it's, it's I, honestly like anyone else beating you is very much on the table. It, it just is. Um, so that's, that's where you're at with them. And I, I think it's, it's a really frustrating loss and I, I don't blame anyone for being alarmed by this because I think you can, you can wash away some of the other stuff, you know, due to strength of the schedule, this is tough. And you shouldn't say to Jalen Hurts had the flu or whatever he had. Yes. So like there's, there is that angle, but it, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't hand away of, uh, you know, away a lot of the other stuff. A lot of the other. It's things. also very weird that he always gets sick whenever the Eagles play Monday night football. Yeah. I don't know. It's not quite Lamar, Lamar Jackson, you know, where like Lamar Jackson every year is like very ill. And I, I just, I don't know. I, Listen, brother, it's 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 a bad time of year. Um, I don't know. Do something different. <laughs> Whatever yeah. you're doing, just stop, stop doing that. But everyone's getting sick, so I don't know. And, I mean, I said it on, on Monday night's show. Like, it feels like the Eagles, for, for what the kids say, they lost that dog in them this year. Like, there's no killer instinct. There's no, like, finishing move to them. And, like you said, like, there was a lot of desperation plays. Like, we as a society and we as Eagles fans – and the Eagles coaching staff needs to realize this. We have moved past the need to throw deep balls to Quez Watkins. That dude, there's no need for him to be on the field. I get he's fast. Compare the stats, put them side by side. Every single day of the week and twice on Sunday or whenever the Eagles are playing, I would much rather have Olamide Zacchaeus in the slot because the dude has hands, the dude knows how to track a football, and that's the biggest problem with Quez Watkins. Like, he's running down the field and has no clue how to track the football, and that's what leads to that interception. That's what led to the interception in the Super Bowl. Like, he just does not have the the wherewithal to know when to, to track a football, and if you're going to be on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, you can't have guys like that out on the field. And it, it, it's just getting so frustrating seeing them try to continue to do – this like ticky tack type of stuff with veterans when it's like play the guys that are good, like play your best players. It's, it's that point in the season you've all but effectively thrown away your shot at the one seed now. And 
now, like you said, you got to play Tommy DeVito twice. You got to play at MetLife, and most of your starters are going to have to play on that atrocious field now, more than likely. And you got to play against Jonathan Gannon coming into Philadelphia on New Year's Eve. Well, you maybe don't, because if things go bad and the Cowboys, you know, win, like that's it. You know, it, it may, it may honestly, you don't, you, you might not have to. Um, and that's that's the frustrating thing right now. You know, it, it's just you, you start looking ahead to to potential playoff matchups. And you don't feel good about um, you know, a, a lot of the, the the matchups in the NFC, right? For for where the Eagles sit right now, you'd be going to Tampa Bay. People are gonna like scoff at that. Baker Mayfield just threw like a perfect game, essentially. He had a perfect pass rating. Now, granted, Green Bay's defense not very good. Oh wait, the Eagles' defense also not very good. Oh, Green Bay's coordinator is washed and and has failed at multiple locations. Wow, it's almost it's almost like we have the same issues here. Like. That's not can't stop the run easy. either. Rashad White's that's, running for a hundred yards every single week. That's not exactly a slam dunk matchup right there. Um, and you know it, it is likely to be Tampa Bay. Uh, but let's say you you get to two. You feel good about playing the Rams right now? Nope. I don't. <laughs> I don't feel good about playing the Rams or facing the Seahawks again. You know, like it's it's man, it, it's it's really worrying now because it, it didn't feel this way. It felt like listen, like. Everything's gonna be fine. They're gonna get to the playoffs. This team, you know, I, I even felt like this team has like their win conditions are very favorable. It felt like a lot of times this year, like they just have to do less than a lot of other teams have to do. It's really turned, and it's it's really turned into a situation now too, where um, I don't I don't know that this team ha- has a lot of answers. Maybe they find them over the next few weeks. Maybe they get some of that confidence back. Maybe this team ends up being the the two seed, and you know, we all kind of forget about this panic, but. The larger problem still looms, which is if this team plays the 49ers, I do not believe that this team is beating the 49ers, especially if they're going to San Francisco. I think they'll be lucky if it was only whatever it was, 49 to 20, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, I, I think, I think, right, honestly, if, if they play like that against the 49ers, it's like, it's, it's 75 over. to 7. Like, it is, it is unbelievable pain. And it's 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 gotten to the point where like even the average fan knows exactly what the Eagles are going to do on offense. Like they're going to do QB draws on third down if Jack Stoll is in the game. If you see Jack Stoll who filled in for Dallas Goddard while he was out and he's in the game now, he's out there blocking so that Jalen Hurts can just run a QB draw and it's so predictable. And they're not even blocking correctly. I saw Brian Baldinger put out one of his Baldy's breakdowns. Like Jack Stoll's running the complete opposite direction of where he needs to go, leaves a linebacker uncovered, and they absolutely swallow up Jalen Hurts. And you have three gigantic human beings from the Seahawks defense piling up on Jalen Hurts. Don't think you want that at this point in the season. And I mean, I'm I'm fully anticipating anyone that's going to this game on Christmas Day against the Giants. Like, it's not going to be a friendly environment that first drive for the Eagles. Like, the the fans going there are going to let you hear it, and you got to be prepared for that and know that like you've kind of done this to yourself. I would say this: Do not go dress as Santa to this game. You know, <laughs> it might be that kind of atmosphere. Do not go. Dress as Santa Claus. That that might be the the best thing um, for you. But yeah, I mean, honestly, you look. It's it's so strange because a month ago you would you would have looked at this stretch, even last week, and said, "Well, like, listen, this is a stretch you can win." When you lose to Drew Locke, it uh it really it really shifts the balance. I think if this team is legitimate, if this team is like kind of who we thought they were through the course of the season, it's thirty nine to three 
on Monday. You know, like it, it is a big, big beat town like they have not had, by the way, in months. And part of that has been the schedule. But it has been a long time since we've seen – it's been a long time since Miami on Sunday night. You know, where it they, felt like that's really the one handled, win this year that has double a double digit victory for this team. They, where they, they really felt like they handled a team, a very good team at that. And we'll see. You know, they, they haven't been able to put away even some of the bad teams. You know, you remember those commanders games, those were a lot closer than, than maybe they, they should have been. So you hope that on Monday you kind of get um, a, just a, the Eagles that we, we were kind of expecting and, and a little bit of return to form. And I, I put it out on our Instagram and on TikTok of just, like, immediate post-game reaction. I did, like, a selfie video. And it's like, the Eagles are much closer to the season just being over than Super Bowl aspirations at this point, the way that they're playing. Like, they got very lucky to hold on and beat the Vikings in Week 2. You know, you had that game in hand, and then you let Kirk Cousins kind of crawl back into it, and you barely sneak away with a win there on Thursday Night Football. You were very lucky to win the Cowboys game that Dallas Goddard broke his arm. You know, Dak doesn't step out of bounds. We're talking about another loss there, and you lose the season series to the Cowboys. And then we're really talking about, you know, this team being in the five seed, firmly entrenched there, if not worse. You got lucky to beat the Chiefs. Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Travis Kelsey got butterfingers, you know, and you win by four points. Jake Elliott hits the greatest field goal of his career to this point in the wind and rain to send a game to overtime, and you beat the Bills. There's a lot of these games that were super coin flip type of games this year that in you know you do the, the Doctor Strange permutations, and we're talking about the Eagles having maybe a 500 record this year. You know, I, I brought it up as a joke a few weeks ago, but you know, there was a team last year that had an outsized record and was very good at one score games and just kind of had things go their way. And that was the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. You know, I mean, honestly, like it's a little, it's a little more similar than I think people would like to admit. Now, I think this is a better overall team. And we saw that from last year too, but listen, like they, they have gotten some, some breaks this year. Even I can remember that commanders game. Um, I, th- I think it was the first one where they, the commanders score, they should have gone for two. Because there's yeah. no way that you're beating the Eagles in over there. They could have gone and won the game right there. Yep. You know, like it's there, there have been moments throughout this season where, it, yeah, things have been on a knife edge for, for the Eagles and they've gone away. And you can make the argument that this is a little bit of a regression here, right? That that's just what we're seeing. And, you know, this team has, has been a little fluky. But again, that's that's a worry because this team's goal was to get back to the Super Bowl. This is why it's so hard, too, yes. right? You know, we, we talked about even in, in before the season that you are not going to have 22 guys get back healthy like you did last year. And health is like one of the key indicators of going to Super Bowl. It's why we're, when we're talking about the 49ers, it's, listen, as long as Debo Samuel stays healthy and everyone else stays healthy, I don't know how you beat that team. That's a question mark, though. You know, and it's a question mark for most teams is just health. Health is, is the – Patrick Mahomes a few years ago in that Super Bowl, if he doesn't have that torn up ankle and if the offensive line isn't terrible against Tampa Bay where they had a, bu- a bunch of injuries too, maybe that Super Bowl is it. You're like it just – Getting there and healthy is way more important than I think people want it to be because it's such a lame thing that if you just happen to accrue you know, a few more injuries than the other team, that's why the Bills are in the position that they're in right now. It's because they kept losing starters on defense. It's tough to recover from. So I think you're seeing the Eagles. This is a common thing. It, it's such a cliche, but it's true, is that a Super Bowl hangover is real. And I think there's there's the mentality you know, aspect of it, and there's also just it's hard to replicate what gets you to your Super Bowl, which is some luck. It takes luck getting to the Super Bowl. And I mean, 
you talk about the offensive line, like arguably when they're healthy, the Eagles have the best offensive line in football. Cam Jurgens didn't play Monday night. Now Landon Dickerson is having a, a minor surgery and is going to miss minimal time, according to Mike Garofolo. So you might not have him on Christmas night against the Giants, which is a huge loss for this team to not potentially have two of your starting offensive linemen uh, against a team that is hungry, a team that is like the feel-good story somehow the the six and eight giants are you know riding the the tailwind of tommy cutlets and sean stellato who's gonna come out and you know take a, a louisville slugger to your kneecaps if you say one wrong thing to him uh i i just you need to be ultra focused and the quotes today from nick sirianni in his press conference were not encouraging talking about how on the final throw of the game you're playing for pass interference instead of trying to find the open man like like you said that's desperation play right there you're trying to heave something and make something happen that at this point in a game it's like a 50 50 call you're on the road you're not going to get that hometown treatment if you're at home potentially and when you have a guy like Kenneth Gainwell who's got 25 yards of open space in front of you and would have got the first down to put you in Jake Elliott field goal range to tie the game, that's a question mark on just overall play calling and Nick Sirianni trying to deflect any issues from Brian Johnson and said, you know, any anger with the offense should come from me. I think that's just coach speak. It's so evident that Nick Sirianni's not calling the offense uh, because of everything else that he's doing during a game. Like, you can tell. And Brian Johnson has a play sheet. Like, it, it's so evident that this team just has so many issues with it right now. And Monday at 4.30 on Christmas Day, you better hope that they're locked in facing a Giants team that's trying to come in and, and somehow salvage a season and try to make the seventh seed in the playoffs. I I think they're technically eliminated now. I I believe I saw I six teams were eliminated. I don't know who. Okay, they're not. It, it was just the Jets. I thought they were saying both New York teams. They're five and nine now. The interesting okay, thing is, um, you know, they had the tiebreaker over the Packers, but the Packers have also sort of fallen off, and uh, they lost to the Saints over the weekend. So the Giants, I think, have like a really massive hole yeah. to climb. Um, but it says something about how bad the Giants' season has been that they're still in the wild card race in the NFC. But I like we said, you know. Uh, the Rams do not excite me. You know, we talked about the Vikings. Obviously, it's a little different of a team, you know, without Kirk Cousins. But defensively, they're a team that, that brings a lot of pressure. And that's been something Jalen Hurts at his best has not performed well under. Again, you're just maybe seeing the Seahawks again. Um, Tampa Bay. If it's this, the Saints are the only team that I think if the Eagles face in the playoffs, that I'm not, like, sweating. Honestly. I, I think yeah. that's the only team. If they somehow end up winning that division, that's the only team I think the Eagles could see in the first round. I'm like, we're good. We're, we're beating this. You know, like, everyone else, I'm like, that's a tough matchup for the Eagles. The, the Saints are the only one I think that would, there would be kind of a rollover opponent in my view. And then right after the Eagles game, you are locked and loaded for the nightcap, and you are ultimate Baltimore Ravens fans, everybody. <laughs> because yeah, the Ravens I mean, I've and 49ers big, play. Always been I, a big Lamar Jackson fan. I have always said that purple and black is elite, and uh, Lamar Jackson is that dude. And, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of accent uh, similarities too between like a, a Baltimore accident and uh, a Philly accent, like the, the way they say two, like they, they really kind of, yeah, like there's, there's some crossover there. You know, I love old Bay seasoning. It's yes. great. Um, yeah. It's, it's a bird supremacy town. You know, I, I appreciate that about Baltimore too. So yeah, big, big, big Ravens fan. Birdland, bird gang, stand up, rise up, you know, flap those wings, bro. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
Monday's going to be pivotal for this team. And if you think Jonathan Gannon and the Cardinals are going to come in and, and lean over for you on New Year's Eve, you got another thing coming for you. Do you find it weird, too, that like all that hype when Zach Ertz got released and then it's all died down? Nobody has even had a peep about him? I think it's because a lot of the good teams kind of have a starting tight end. I, I think he was I – was, I, was, I think a lot of people had, like, Baltimore, you know, when, when Mark yeah. Andrews goes down, like, that made a lot of sense, but Isaiah like was good. I think it's just like, I think he was kind of hoping for like a, a more established role potentially. Um, or maybe too, like T like he's met a lot of teams like, listen, like there's no point in like you like running. You're clearly here is just like sort of a, a secondary guy. Like right. we'll wait till like the, you know, closer to the end of the season. But yeah, it, it has been interesting because um, the chiefs apparently were trying out a bunch of guys the other day and people got really worried. He visited the 49ers. It's fantasy semifinals, so like people worried if they're gonna have to replace Travis Kelsey and whatever, and it seemed like maybe that was gonna be a thing. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you look like Dolphins. Hello, Dolphins who visited them today too. Um, that would that would be interesting. That's the only one I see in the AFC of like the top contenders. You know, Ravens I think are, are fine rolling with likely. You know, uh, Chiefs obviously have Kelsey. Jaguars have Evan Ingram. Uh, Bills have Kincaid and Knox, you know, as far as contenders, Cowboys 49ers, of course, have Kittle. Cowboys have Jake Ferguson, and, and they have a few other, like, random white dudes. Detroit Lions have the best rookie tight end I've ever seen. Eagles even have Goddard. Vikings have Hawkinson. You know, like, it's just everywhere you look, I think, uh, there's just – it's it's strangely, all of a sudden, a deep position. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens on Monday night, and, I mean – we, we got to predict what outfit Sean Stilato is going to wear. He wore the Kelly green, clearly has a, a, a taking to the Philadelphia Eagles and their throwbacks, but it's, it's the holiday season for a Paisan. What the hell is he going to be wearing on the sidelines with, uh, with Tommy Cutlet? Seven fishes. Uh, he's going to incorporate oh. that. I got to say, I love it. I, I love that this is a thing. Um, there's nothing more New Jersey than this story. I, I mean, it's, it's truly – it's 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 actually insane. The only way this is more insane. I don't think he went to like Don Bosco or something. Like it's the only way this gets more North Jersey to me uh, than than this. It's just like it's unbelievable. The only the only way it more, could have been more, I guess, too, is if he had gone to like Rutgers, right? Because I, yeah. I don't think he went to he went to um, Syracuse, right, or something. Like I don't I don't even remember where Tommy to be went. But that's he's, that's the only way. He's from Salem, Massachusetts. Uncle, yeah, yeah, the, his agent is not even from New Jersey, but it's like it just has which hilariously too cuz you know everyone thinks of Jersey they think of the Jersey Shore. Like most of them were not even from New Jersey. They were from like Rhode Island. They were from like, you know, like a uh, kind of the Massachusetts area. Like they weren't even or from Long Island. Like they weren't even from New Jersey, you know, like but there's a there's a certain type of person and he just he fits. Like I I have just seen this guy driving like a big suburban you know, like you, you, you have seen this person. You've you've seen them all the time. You've seen them when you played sports. Like they were the apparent on the other team. Like you've just seen these people, and it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, getting, I I love it. I can't get enough of it. I think it's hilarious. I heard that he turned down ten thousand dollars to show up at a pizza spot. I think, and then I saw he went week. anyway. Yeah, he went anyway. Uh, just a true man of integrity. Um, I hope that he has an uncle or a grandfather that's in the waste management business or something. You know, like that's. <laughs> It's great. The, uh, I love it. And I mean, the the way that it has taken the world. I mean, he looks like the guy that's in charge of the the wet bandits from Home Alone. 
Yeah. He's the guy calling the shots for them, and it's like, hey, you gotta you gotta pull this lever here, and then you gotta slip on the rug, and then you gotta go after the kid. That's what he looks like, and I mean, who knows what type of zoot suit he's gonna roll up in? I said he looked like deep cut. He looked like the boogeyman from the Powerpuff Girls. Just absolute menace. Uh, it's so funny, and I mean, what a story for Tommy DeVito. I I mean, that's that's also going to be the the talk on the national side of things is the feel good story that is Tommy DeVito this week and can he go into Philadelphia in a hostile environment on Christmas and all that kind of stuff so you're going to have that added you know storyline where everybody's pulling for the underdog and in this instance the Eagles are not that yeah absolutely so i i think it's it's weird though you know with with Christmas i think there's not as much national attention on this cuz like i don't know you know it's it the for, for for I think for myself and a lot of people, Christmas is like kind of about like running around a little bit. You know, you got to yeah. do like certain things in the morning. Then you got to get back. You don't want like everywhere to be a mess. You're like cleaning up stuff, getting dinner ready. Like kind of rushing all over the place. It's not like Thanksgiving where it feels like Thanksgiving feels like much more. You're in one place for most of your day. You for the most part, you know, you might go to like a second house or something. But like for Christmas, it just feels different. <laughs> I don't know. And it's like a lot of times you get like new stuff. You want to like you got a new book, you got a new video game system or something like you want to sit down with that. So um, maybe, uh, maybe you won't get as, it's weird that like the NFL is trying to encroach on, I think it's just because the schedule has worked out that way. Yeah. But um, even, even last few years, it's felt like they're, they've been trying to, trying to worm their way into Christmas. Like, listen, just give it to the NBA. <laughs> like, we don't have to do this. They did the, the Black Friday game this year. And then they got New Year's Eve this year, just for where everything falls and, who knows what's going to happen. Um, but we'll see how the Eagles, you know, try to take care of business against the Giants on Monday afternoon at 4.30. They're wearing the blackout uniforms for the first time. Uh, back to the green helmets, though, with that uniform combo because the secondary helmet was obviously loaned to uh, the Kelly green jerseys. And I think the midnight green with the black looks far better because contrast matters. Um, I think the Eagles' blackout uniforms are one of the best overall, like, black-on-black Uniform combos in sports. I think it's one of the best uniforms overall that is in Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree. I like the black on black. Um, so we'll shift gears from the gridiron to the baseball diamond. It is brought to you by our pals over at FOCO, where they've got holiday sweaters. They've got overalls like you saw me wearing all baseball season long and a whole lot more of forever collectibles. FOCO is the number one spot to go get your collectibles from bobbleheads to figurines to obviously the apparel lines. And I mean, they've got those velour track suits. Now you can get the big Dom starter pack. If you want, uh, go to the link in the description, foco.com, click our link, use that bad boy to support us and foco this holiday season. It's never too late to, to treat yourself, uh, to some forever collectible shout out to foco for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, we've got Yoshinobu Yamamoto news, Matt, where apparently the, the big bad boys that are the coastal elites, the Dodgers and the Yankees are the quote unquote favorites for Yamamoto as of today. Um, but the Phillies are quietly in the mix as well. They apparently had Bryce Harper on a FaceTime call for the pitch. They, according to Alex Coffey, are going to be ultra aggressive in their pitch to Yamamoto, and they have formally submitted an offer to him. I don't know if it's likely that the Phillies land him, but man, would it be 
so awesome if out of nowhere the Phillies are just like, yep, he's our guy, and finally have, you know, one of the – it feels like the Phillies are never in the mix for these top-tier talents coming from Japan. And if they're able to land a 25-year-old phenom like Yamamoto to add to this rotation with Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and Ranger Suarez, for that matter, there's a lot to be excited about when it comes to, you know, March and April rolling around in spring training and everything. Yeah, I think the important part from the, the story, too, is that they're willing to go into the third tier of the luxury tax to get him, um, which means that this isn't just like a we're an also rank, you know, we, we very likely could miss out on him, right? Like I, I'm not deluding myself here, but the, this, this team is serious about its intent. You know, it, it's not just like, yeah, we'd, we'd like to get what team wanted. Um, but they're, they're really uh, putting together an aggressive offer for him. Um, and I think this would be a huge statement signing. And I, I think we're clearly, you know, kind of the outside uh, looking in on this, but you never know. Like, I, I do think, you know, there, there's there's a lot to like about about the Phillies, about the team. Um, not you know, I, I know so often uh, a lot of especially like uh, you know Japanese players want to stay like on the West Coast. It makes a ton of sense why, or they just want to be in a big market like New York. You know, Boston's really the only other time I can remember kind of one of these other um, you know bigger cities get, getting one of these guys coming uh, uh, over from Japan. Um, but uh, you know it. It doesn't have to be that way always, you know, and you can have guys that, that appreciate different things. Maybe this is that situation, but um, it does feel like this is a guy that uh, we're just going to be wishing that we had gotten something. But the fact that, you know, we are willing to be serious, willing to, to throw in the money um, is a positive sign to me. You know, I, I like I like to be aggressive. I like that, you know, we're, we're not just going to sit back and, and watch it unfold, that we're going to get involved in the action. And I think, too, that we're being considered serious contenders, too, is a good kind of marker of where we are now that we're a team that is willing to get involved in these things we we really haven't been for a very long time yeah i mean we talk about it all the time with john middleton like anybody that's like clamoring about a team spending money in baseball specifically it's not your money and there's no salary cap and you can just go out and sign guys and there's no repercussions for you unless that guy ends up being a flop but at the end of the day you're able to move off of those contracts a lot more easily because there is no salary cap and teams will will be more likely to say hey I'll, I'll take a flyer on that guy and see if we can fix him uh i mean look at zach wheeler you know zach wheeler gets traded from the giants to the mets has all the shoulder issues was in that that quote-unquote marvelous rotation with the mets was kind of viewed as the the number five guy for them and then comes to the phillies and absolutely turns his career around and he's turned into a perennial cy young pitcher i think the phillies have the the pitching coach staff to really tap into a guy like Yamamoto too and, and really utilize his skill sets. And this is this is a, an interesting wrinkle here. Um, this comes from CBS Sports. If you miss out on Yamamoto, Corbin Burns is saying he's unlikely to sign an extension with the Milwaukee Brewers this offseason. Uh, he made an appearance on Foul Territory, which is uh, one of the best – independent baseball shows out there on the internet uh, saying that he highly values the idea of free agency and it would be something that would just absolutely blow you away to go to get you away from testing the free agent market and being able to choose where you want to go that's one thing every player in their career wants to get to and once you get to the six years of service time which for a lot of guys take seven eight sometimes nine years to get to you get that chance to test the market and see what your top dollar is if you miss out on Yamamoto 
I think you kind of have to, you know, take a dive into the Corbin Burns, see what it's going to take from Milwaukee to to acquire him. Because he's another guy. You pair him up with Wheeler, with Nola, with Ranger Suarez, you're right there with a, a dominant top four in your rotation once again. Yeah, this is he's a guy that I've had earmarked for a little bit now because it seemed like, you know, even going back to early last season that he was not going to be back with Milwaukee. It seemed like a situation that was just kind of soured on, on both ends. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you you have to to give up to get him and and, and what that looks like. Um, but I'd be interested, absolutely. Um, you know, a little bit of a down year last year, uh, but I think you know, I, I'd be willing absolutely to take that bet on Carbon Burns. Like I, I think Burns, Wheeler, Nola as your top three is really, really good. Like that is one of the best is, in baseball. That is, I mean, that's that's that is a, a playoff series kind of changing. Uh, top three and then you, you added all the rest for the regular season and yeah I, I would love that when it comes to I, I think the the last thing the Phillies are missing this offseason obviously it's the holiday season so free agency is going to kind of take a, a lull right now but I think the last things on their their checklist for this offseason is to go get kind of a, a stopgap left fielder go get another starting pitcher to put in this rotation and really like exercise the depth of your pitching staff and then go and make a trade for a closer i we've talked about it before we're like sure josh Hader would be great but he's a little bit past his prime of being like that lockdown elite closer and you've seen him get broken before i'd much rather go out and find a team that's looking to rebuild has one of those elite closers kind of like when the phillies you know when they had ken giles it was it was one of those things that everyone wanted to go get a, a flame throwing back end of the bullpen guy obviously you didn't get nearly enough in terms of just overall outcome from trading Ken Giles to Houston. But that's the type of deal I think the Phillies should be kind of targeting is looking for a team that is looking to rebuild. You have the prospects, the money, whatever it may be, and you go get an elite shutdown closer to, to fix this bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you're, you're looking to replace Craig Kimbrell, I think is, is kind of the number one um, choice now. And uh, you know, that's, I think that has to be the priority um, is going into the season and, and going into hopefully next playoffs with a really established closer that can, uh, that can get it done, you know, because that, that was, I think it's been, that's been the issue of the last two playoff runs for the Phillies has been, uh, you know, in some of the big moments, not being able to get the stops. It's very weird that they haven't had an elite closer since Jonathan Papelbon. <laughs> Hilariously. Yeah. I, I think even Naris, you know, had, had like a, a good six month stretch. Um, and then we, of course, we let him go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it has it has been a position I think the Phillies have been uh, lacking for, for quite some time now. So hopefully the uh, apparently the Yamamoto sweepstakes too could run up all the way to the January 4th deadline. Um, so it's going to take some time. We probably won't hear it until after the new year, but. I wanted to get your take on this too, since the last time we recorded Tyler glass now is now a Los Angeles Dodger uh, because everyone is, I don't know about you. Sure. The Dodgers are collecting like these, these high octane elite type of players, but they just, they seem like a team that just has pieces rather than a full on team. If that makes any sense where like Otani's not going to be able to pitch for them this coming season. Glass now glass is in his name and he is perennially injured. Clayton Kershaw always hurt. 
uh, Walker Bueller and Dustin May are coming off of Tommy John surgery, so who knows how they're going to react early on in the season and for a full duration of a year. It just feels like a team that is, it's Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, now you have Shohei, but the rest of the team is like, they're fine. It, it doesn't really like scare you overall with like one through eight. They have just big bats top to bottom. Like Max Muncy has his moments, but he'll go on dry spells for a month or two at a time. And he's hitting 143 and, you know, can't hit a, a beach ball. And I think Will Smith is like that borderline, like next guy in terms of his defensive prowess as a catcher, probably the, the second best defensive catcher behind JT. But I mean, the Dodgers just feel like a team that they are in name more terrifying than what their roster shows right now. Yeah. And I mean, Freeman and, and Betts also did not have a good playoffs last year. You know, it's it's the reason for their uh, early exit. So, um, yeah, it, it feels like they kind of have a long-term view, though, too. Like, obviously, you know, like when you, you sign something like Otani and you have Betts and Freeman, like you have a window here that's beyond. And the Dodgers are always going to be a team that spends money. Um, I think it's how a lot of this, you know, it's, it's how the Yankees always felt to me, too, is that they, there's just sort of a collection of guys and they're, they're constantly rotating around. And I think you could say it's embarrassing that the Dodgers only have one World Series to their name this century, despite, you know, listen, like nothing is guaranteed, right? Like you can do everything right. And, and again, you were just talking about the Eagles. There's a little bit of luck to all of this, but um, I think you've only been able to come up with one in the COVID season of all season. It's not like, listen, I'm not going to like start discounting trophies, but if there is one World Series that I think counts a little less, if there's one year of championships, you know, where the Lakers, like it counts just a little bit less. Like if you're being really honest, Counts a little bit less. It's those you know, like, like neutral so, site World Series that like yeah, like it's just there's no fans there. You know, like it just it, it was a completely different situation. You still won it. You still have to go out there and compete. I'm, I'm not you know, taking it away from them completely, but I do think it's funny that uh, you know they, they spent all this money and it's like they really have not done all that much with it. No. You know, <laughs> it's really other not than that get headlines from the LA Times saying that they they had the most wins in the regular season. They should be World Series champions. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, but you know, it, what's what's a smarter idea is spending five hundred million dollars on those gondolas. That is that is yeah. the, uh, the better decision. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, as the the new year approaches with the baseball off season, so weird to think that you know pitchers and catchers is about like a month and a half away. That's that's ninety nine days of... away from, uh, from opening day. That's the beauty of your team being good and playing into October and playing into November is, you know, the off season's much shorter than it was in years past. So we'll see how uh, things shake out for the Phillies. And uh, one guy that I was kind of interested in for them bringing him back, but it, it really didn't feel like it was feasible because it feels like he wants to end his career in Pittsburgh. Andrew McCutcheon signed a one-year deal with the Pirates, uh, dropped the, the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not fucking leaving a uh, video of himself and, He's just trying to get to that that milestone home run for himself, which I'm happy he's coming back. And who knows? Maybe he's a guy the Phillies trade for uh, at the deadline as a, a bench depth piece uh, in July and August. So we'll keep an eye on the Phils um, as we shift to the hardwood. The Sixers, it's brought to you by our pals over at Kenwood Beer, the official beer partner of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's never too late to stock up for the holiday season. They've got these awesome pint glasses that we have in the studio, great Kelly Green Kenwood merch, new hats that are available as well, 
And you can go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Finder to also see who has Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, and Maryland areas. You can also grab it at your local liquor store. It's 4.1% ABV, just 120 calories, only 8 grams of carbs. That's KenwoodBeer.com. Use the Kenny Finder to see who's got Kenwood near you. Must be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Matt Sixers right now, second quarter. Uh, about at the seven-minute mark, they got a seven-point lead over the horniest team in the NBA, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who lead the Western Conference. And uh, this is one of two matchups, if I'm not mistaken, between the Timberwolves and the Sixers this season. They lost the first one, um, so kind of another litmus test with a Western Conference team for the Sixers. Um, good to see Kelly Oubre back. They lost on Monday to the Bulls, 108-104, which isn't great. Um but they went on that that stretch where they were absolutely just beating down teams, including that 135-82 to 82 stomping of the Charlotte Hornets on Saturday. Um, team's playing well, and, and that's an exciting part for this team. It feels like, um, you know, we've talked about it since earlier in the year that competent coaching matters, and, and Nick Nurse seems to be putting these guys in a position to, to succeed overall. And, you know, I brought it up too, having – the bench depth that this team has is so much different and so much more efficient than years past that you have guys every single night stepping up for you in, in clutch moments. And this is something that, you know, when you were kind of banking on your, your two superstars, whether it was Joel and Ben, Joel and Harden, like you didn't really have the depth there because you were trading it away to get those guys or, you know, trying to maximize the value you traded away so many pieces for Tobias Harris as well. It really feels like this team is is just a deeper team and has the chemistry that in years past it, it hasn't felt this way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the the earlier game against the the Timberwolves early season, no Embiid that night. Uh, so you know that's it's the first time you're going to kind of get a, a a look at this team with your sort of top lineup, if you will. Um, yeah, you know, a six game win streak, and it just feels like this is a team like we said that there's just really intent on reeling you in and uh and making you believe that this this year could be different no, i swear i changed like i went to therapy i did all that like that's that's what you're hitting, hitting you with is this this abusive uh person in your life that uh you know you just can't you can't quit you know but it it sucks um so it, it does feel like you're getting pulled in a little bit with them but yeah excited to see uh tonight how, how they fare against it's still a shocking thing to say for me you know just that the the top seed you know Timberwolves in the West um, you know how good they've been this year and a lot of that is because of Anthony Edwards but you know Cat too you know sort of talked about how this has been a year where he's kind of had to accept a, a different role and kind of grow and mature in that way and um, yeah I think the Sixers have, have matured a little bit um, you know at least for the regular season yeah I think Nurse is part of that and uh, yeah you know we'll, we'll see where this season takes them we'll see what trade the deadline does for them or whatever it doesn't seem like Zach Levine is. It's going to be a sixture, but there's there's other pieces floating out there uh, that are that are just as interesting, maybe even more interesting, maybe even more impactful for this team. Um, but yeah, very excited for for, for the Sixers. But uh, I'm not bought in yet. I'm still uh, <laughs> cautiously keeping my distance. It is one of those things too that it's kind of role reversal from the past couple of years, where the Sixers were so deep with guard depth, and now post Harden trade, you have a bunch of wings, a bunch of forwards, and you're lacking guard depth. I saw, I forget who wrote the article, but I saw um, that if the Pacers keep kind of free-falling from where they are in the standings, TJ McConnell could be available. 
run it back TJ, Rocco, Joel Embiid. All you need is Dario Saric at that point. Um, I don't know if he's the answer, but it feels like that's the type of move that could happen around the trade deadline is a TJ McConnell type more so than like Zach Levine or Alex Caruso where you're not giving up a, a boatload of assets and you know sneakily the the Sixers announced a three-year extension for Daryl Morey earlier uh this month I think it was like last week or the week before but Daryl's gonna be here for another three years at the very least which I think is smart it runs you through uh Nick Nurse's contract with Daryl so they're kind of paired up for uh the next three years together contractually but is that kind of the vibe you get with the Sixers and, and the trade deadline? And so that comes up in February, obviously, but you can now trade guys that were signed in the offseason. Not that, that December 15th threshold is passed. Is it a TJ type of vibe or is it potentially more for you? I think I think potentially more. Um, I think you have to be willing. It's to be willing to see what Toronto does this year, too. You know, they have some expiring contracts and, you know, they, they just had Fred Van Vliet leave for free this summer. There might be some pressure applied there to actually get something for some of these guys. You know, I don't know if you're going to get on Ananobi, you know, sweepstakes or, or something like that. Um, there's going to be a lot of competition for a guy like that, but maybe, uh, who knows, right? Like, you don't know what the price is always going to be for these players and um, anything like that. And I think that the biggest thing for the Sixers is they, they clearly want to retain flexibility for this offseason. So it's going to have to be a contract that makes sense for them or a guy that is on an expiring deal. Or maybe you're moving to buy you know, something. You know, it, it's going to have to clearly involve uh, something like that. You know, Gordon Hayward has been like kicked around a little bit. I wouldn't hate that. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see who they really who they get linked with. Who kind of national guys or people who are a little bit plugged in. Uh, you know, whoever is saying it, um, whether it's a team or, or, or player contacts, player agents, um, kind of linking them to Sixers because um, I think it is clearly like more of a secondary guy. You know, that, that they're looking for. Um, and not necessarily, again, Zach Levine just, I think, stopped making sense for this team a little bit as, as we started playing the games and, uh, you know, kind of looking in a, a different direction. Are you are you intrigued by the the concept that is Jaden Ivey because of how bad the Detroit Pistons are? I was, I was looking at the last time the Pistons won a game as they have won two games all season. Uh, I still had not turned 30 since the, the Pistons have won a game. Uh, the Texas Rangers have won the World Series since the last time the Pistons won a game. A whole lot has happened since uh, October 28th, which was the last Pistons win. They've moved the Wingstop logo on their final score graphics more than they have won games in the past couple of weeks. Uh, but is Jaden Ivey somebody that kind of intrigues you as a get him out of Detroit and see what happens kind of project? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would. I don't know that they're going to do it. Um... I like Jaden Avi, you know, coming into the draft. Um, don't know where he fits on this team, though. You know, like it, that, that would be the only question. Like, you know, Maxi is kind of taking over that role as more ball dominant guard, and I, I don't know that Ivy has that. But Ivy's, Ivy's a very good player. I think even Cade is a, is a good player. Um, I don't know that he's fit for the role. Like, I don't think he's going to be a superstar necessarily. But this is a guy that I think does have talent. Like, maybe he's a guy that's more of a role player in the future. But. Um, the team in general is just kind of a mess, so it's it's tough for for Detroit right now. I think uh, they're they're just in a bad way. I mean, the Carolina Panthers and the Detroit Pistons have the same number of wins this year. Yeah, well, at least one of them has their own pick. So that's true. That's, that's true. Um, and I mean, we talked about it too. I guess it depends on how the Magic kind of fall into the standings and everything. Right now, they're obviously the four seed, but 
we talked about it, I think, a week or two ago, like the the concept of Markel Fultz potentially coming back. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. That'd be a hilarious <laughs> full circle moment. Magic are a good team. Um, Fultz doesn't quite fit in the picture. Um, so it feels like he could be a guy that, that's on the way out. But, yeah, Magic are uh, – right. I mean, right now it would be um, – <laughs> like it'd be one of the, the scarier matchups, I think, for a lot of teams in the East because of the size that they have and the, the defensive capability that they, they have. I, I would not really love playing the Magic in a, in a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, if the playoffs somehow started today on December 20th, the Sixers would be playing the Cavs. I would take that. I'd be all about that. I mean, do you think when it when it comes to the the rest of uh, 2023 for the Sixers, their schedule looks like this. They have obviously the game going on right now as we record this against the Pistons. Uh, then the Raptors come to town on Friday. Then you go to Miami for Christmas. You go to Orlando. Uh, then you go to Houston, and then you go to Chicago before the calendar turns to 2024. What's your overall hope for wins and losses in those games? Is it an undefeated stretch, or you know, are you kind of chalking up a coin flip against the Magic with how good they are? What's kind of the hope uh, going into 2024 with the final five and a half games left? Um, I, I think I think really you should be winning a lot of those games. You know, I I, I just think Chicago by that time too. Um, could also have have moved on from a few players and might be a team that's really leaned into uh, being bad this year. The Miami Heat, who knows? Like they have, they're literally they're not human. Um, they're they're something far more sinister and evil. So there's no accounting for whatever dark magic they've conjured up. Um, I love beating Toronto. I it's just a team that I really take a lot of pleasure in beating. So not an undefeated run, but I think you might have like two losses in there, which I think would be a, a pretty good uh, way to, to close out the. the the calendar year yeah so hopefully the Sixers uh keep it rolling as of now they are 18 and 8 uh about two games out of first place in the Eastern Conference and obviously two early season matchups against the Boston Celtics don't help that um but you know Celtics fans seem like the sky is falling for them too and when the lights turn on uh their their superstars apparently aren't cutting it for them so who knows what happens with the Celtics? Um, they're always going to be a thorn in our side until we can consistently beat them. But we won't see them again until, I think, February, so we don't have to worry about them uh, much longer um, until the playoffs. So that's a nice sign there. Um, and I know, Matt, you don't care, but somehow, some way, the Orange and Black continue to win. Um, they find ways to win. Owen Tippett with one of the, the better goals I've seen in recent years from a Flyers player in overtime. Um, Devils fans are down absolutely bad and the Flyers uh, don't care about anybody wanting them to rebuild and they are here to uh, to say hey we're we're putting points up and we're in second place all alone in the Metropolitan Division cool that's awesome I'm really I'm really happy for them I just they're a cousin that I just don't talk to anymore <laughs> redheaded step cousin they're maybe getting into territory where I will like, uh, you know, a recent picture that they posted. Maybe. We're maybe would, getting there. I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter bringing this up. Would bringing Knock Knock as the post-game victory song do anything to move the needle? That's That would actually move the needle the opposite way. That's clearly leaning into nostalgia bait, and it's just <laughs> don't that. 
So there it is. There's the the Flyers minute uh, with Matt. Um, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you decide to consume your podcasts in audio form. Leave a five-star rating and review. It helps the show continue to grow, helps more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia as a whole, and uh, helps us continue to hit new milestones. And, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this show twice a week, full video episodes of every show on our network, live streams, clips, original video content. It's all on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. And go get your merch, phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. And this podcast is presented by the City of Vineland. And whether you're a company looking to expand, relocate, or you're a new business startup, selecting the right location is critical to your success. Vineland, New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life. The city's economic development department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process. And their goal is to make this process as smooth as possible and to provide the fastest turnaround times in the region. If you're considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Security 21 Security Systems and Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated for their continued support of this podcast. Everybody have a safe and happy holiday. And uh, we will see you probably after the Eagles game, potentially. Uh, we'll let you know. We might record early, but that's why you got to follow us. But until then, this has been episode number 596 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're getting the heck up out of here, and we are signing off. Peace. I'm looking for the people's chance.